This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Dune Pod, your one-stop shop to get ready for the new Dune movie, or just talk about great movies if you don't care about Dune. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason. I don't need anything. Don't, you don't worry. Don't worry about it, David Bowie's son. Just do your movie. Let's let's just get the train where we're going here. And by affordable housing advocate, Ed Perillon. Bing is a search engine that will help you solve mysteries. On this episode, we discuss Jake Gyllenhaal and Duncan Jones' mind-bending time travel thriller, Source Code. We cover complex storytelling, fun coup stories, and completely disagree about what happened in this movie. If you're enjoying the show, check out our Discord server, where you can hang out with us whenever you like. Or take a minute and leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps new listeners find the show. And now, without further ado, Source Code. DunePod is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Yes. Of one. Of what? <laughs> I wish I knew who it was. Riverside, get at us. Come on. We need to be able to see who is currently logged in. I don't need, wanna... their, infor- I don't need their information. I don't need their email address. I just need their nickname. We outnumber our audience three to one, and we, uh, <laughs> we must know who you are. I, I don't like their chances. They're, they're in a lot of trouble. So, Ed, where are, where are you based? You're in San Francisco? Yes, I'm in San Francisco. Nice. And and just give me a little bit of background. I don't have many details about what you are up to. So like start by just dropping some science. Tell us on. about your life, Ed. Tell yeah, us about, break it down tell us about for the us, life Ed. of Ed. <laughs> I'm, I'm a friend of Jason's uh, from college from a long while back. Ah, uh, with, okay. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, honorary debate panel president. Yes. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a, a proud, really, a proud lineage. Yeah, very proud lineage. <laughs> debate crew represent. <laughs> And uh, now I work in um, in affordable housing. So I do affordable housing development here in the Bay Area. Great. And how do you feel? So I'm in Marin County, and um, all the cities in the county are trying to push back on the ABAG requirements. Um, and my mm-hmm. general opinion is that they should just bulldoze uh, you know, the opposition, and we should just build all the affordable housing by 2030 as we're supposed to. Is that correct? Am I basically right? Yes, that's right. Okay. That's <laughs> well, that's good. It was a short. It was a short podcast on affordable <laughs> yeah. housing. Welcome to the first episode of Transit Pod. The the issue of affordable housing in California is that we don't build housing. Great. <laughs> like <that's, Right>. <laughs> yeah, we don't care for it. Yeah, we're not into it. We're against it. A bunch of nimby pricks. So we got it. We got to get uh, off our asses and, and get that going. Well, that's awesome. Well, well, Ed, any friend of Jason is a friend of ours, and so we are really happy to have you here. Uh, have you joining us? us. And so this is going to be kind of a wild one. We scheduled this one a long time ago and it kind of snuck up on me. So last week we talked about David Bowie in Labyrinth. So it only made sense that this week we would go with his son, Duncan Jones, who was fresh off his sleeper first movie sci-fi hit, Moon. You like that one, Jay? I do like that one. It's a weird one. It's interesting because this is like a much like it's a that was a very unconventional movie. And this one at least is a little bit more conventional, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it almost doesn't feel like the same director. Yeah. But I'm excited to be continuing in the Bowie family lineage. Mm-hmm. 
That definitely feels right. That definitely feels right. So, so we are back for 2011's Jake Gyllenhaal, Michelle Moynihan, who I love, mm. Source Code. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Making sure I had it right. Okay. So Source Code. Yeah. So this is going to be really awesome. <laughs> that is, in fact, the name of the movie. <laughs> I'm still, I don't know about you, but I'm still sort of rebuilding from last week. Like it was such a high, Ed, you know, we had the the IMAX premiere last week of the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. So we, we were like losing it, uh, all last week, essentially. Is it because we're going on this Bowie journey? Does that mean we can like do a Iman movie, uh, next week? (laughs) Can we do Star Trek six undiscovered country? They'll respect you now. That's a comfort. I was lucky that thing had knees. That was not his knee. Star Trek Six Undiscovered Country is a good no. Is a good option. No. Uh, all right. You could just discuss the Remember the Time video. Oh. I'm bored. I want to be entertained. Can my pharaoh find some way to entertain his queen? Whoa! Wow! 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 I love it. And that that amazing that amazing Twitter thread. Uh, yes. about it. Oh my God. That Twitter thread is one of the best things that's ever happened. We'll link I, that in show notes. For I don't think I've seen that, it. but bring it on. Oh my God. It's really it's, good. It's amazing. Yeah. Twitter thread. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> we will, we will definitely do that. All right. Well, so we'll be getting to that in the bottom of the hour. We're going to be getting into source code, but why don't we go ahead and jump into some Dune news? Would you like to know more? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Slow news week. Well, I've got one piece. Okay. I've got one piece of news. Do you want me to jump in? I'll, I'll drop one just to start. So we're Venice official. Great. Like you and me, we're going no. to Venice? <laughs> Word is still out. I didn't ask for Venice tickets uh, just for TIFF. But uh, no, the movie is confirmed with 155-minute runtime for Venice premiere. Okay, great. Which we already knew. We already knew all that. It just got confirmed. That's great. That's awesome. That's it. That's all. That's all I have. All right, so it's my turn? It's your turn. Okay, my piece of news, which I think is better than your piece of news. Okay. It, not that it's a competition. I'm just saying that it's actually new as opposed to your piece of news, which is technically more of an, an old. That's right. This comes from Johnny Sobchak Ooh. on Twitter. Yes. Who says, in, in just six days, the new Dune trailer has gotten more views on WB's YouTube page than each of the most recent trailers for Space Jam, The Suicide Squads, and The Many Saints of Newark, all of which came out in June. So like, yeah, the Dune trailer has gotten... 12 million, 12.6 million views, which is more than those other illustrious properties, Mm. um, which seems, which seems optimistic. It seems like the hype, the hype, the worm, the time of the worm is here. I I have a question. Ed, is Space Jam 2 legacy illustrious? Have you... (laughs) I mean, LeBron's very illustrious. Also, uh, Zendaya is also in it. So Yes, so we could watch it for this podcast. Dang. All right, so that's the news. That's real news. <laughs> okay. I, I have a question, a, a producer question for okay. you, Matt. All right. Do you want to do corrections at this point in the episode or later? That's my next bullet point is a correction. So why don't you start? Uh, I'll, I'll start with my own. In the imax trailer reaction video i improperly identified the judge in night court as (laughs) judge reinhold (laughs) where it is not in fact judge reinhold it's harry anderson judge reinhold's name just happens to have judge in it 
But then you, Matt. Wait, what? What is his name? What is Harry Anderson's character's Harry name? And in, in Nightcore, Harry Stone, right? Harry Judge Stone. Judge let's, Stone. Let's get it right. Let's get it right this time. We can't do three <laughs> weeks of corrections on this. Okay, Harry T. Stone. I love it. He had to go with Harry uh, as the first. Okay, name, great. Just to make it easy. Okay. All right. So, but a correction on the correction is that in you then said. Judge Reinhold isn't the judge from Night Court. He's- judge Reinhold is the guy from Breakfast Club. In fact, Judge Reinhold is not in Breakfast Club either. No, that's, that's Judge that's, Nelson. That's Judd Nelson. <laughs> Judd Nelson, not, not Judge. <laughs> not even a member of the Hollywood judiciary, just a Judd. True, true. So that that whole thing, which we then released as a clip, just could not have been... <laughs> more, more wrong. incorrect. Yeah. So that's my correction. Now, would you, Matt, do you have anything you would like to admit to? Uh, I do want to follow up and say, like, I could imagine you after seeing Fast Times at Ridgemont High thinking that Judge Reinhold would be a good haircut to have. Uh, okay, great. Yes? Yes, that's true. Yeah, he did. He did have a good hair. Okay, very good. All right. Well, Judge Judge Reinhold, no slander against you. It was Harry Anderson that uh, that Jason was thinking about. So I got a correction served up to me last week when talking about Labyrinth. I referenced Kevin from Time Bandits, the little kid, and the fact that on his wall there was a a Warhammer 40k Space Marine image up on the wall that I saw as he was pushing it. It's not at all in focus. It's off to the side. It looked like a space Marine to me. I called it out and Otaku Keith called me on the carpet today to say that 40 K wasn't <laughs> invented for more than six years after time bandits mm. was released. Shameful. Yeah. It's definitely not 40 K. I did some research today uh, with my gaming group and was not able to find anything definitive. So let me just ask. Wait, I mean, you weren't. What do you mean you weren't able to find anything definitive? We know definitively it wasn't out at the time the movie was made. Oh, oh yeah. Like, yeah. Why are you leaving? No, no. I okay. was trying to figure out what it was. Definitively a reference to. Okay. So the production designer does not appear to be on Twitter, nor does the art direction person. So <laughs> that's because know. they're all dead. This is a movie that was made forty years ago. A newt voice. They're dead. All right. Can I go now? Yeah. Ed, what's your favorite edition of the tactical <laughs> science fiction miniatures game, war game, Warhammer 40,000? It, it's really hard to choose. <laughs> do you have a tabletop gaming history at all, Ed? You know, you, do you roll the dice for, for fun? Well, <laughs> um, I, I, well, are we, are we? So we're talking about board games like Settlers or yeah, sure, whatever, whatever you want, yeah, or role playing games, yeah, whatever. I did a little bit of D and D my freshman year of college because my neighbor, who is a good friend, still to this day, um, and and still is a, a dungeon master, does mm. like Twitch streaming around it. Was was very into it. I tried it for a bit. It was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't my thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm more. I'm, I'm more of a board game guy than a role playing. Got it. Role playing guy. Is there an affordable housing addition to Catan or? Someone did put together <laughs> a game called Bay Area Regional Planner. That oh is boy. A board game. I, I have <laughs> oh yet to boy. play it, but it's in my house. 
<laughs> this is like the cones of Dunford. Cones of yeah, Dunshire. The, <laughs> Dunshire, yeah. yeah. The, the only winning move is not to play. Would a depressed person make this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right. Uh, that's all the corrections I have. So, Jason, no more corrections. No, I'm glad you finally owned up to it. I'm sorry that you have to yeah. resign from Dune Pod. Uh, in disgrace. It was a great run. It was was a mediocre run. That's unfortunately come to an end. We didn't make it to the movie, but you know, we got pretty close. Ed, anything you want to apologize for? (laughs) Anything you've done wrong in your personal life? Not, not, not right now. I do appreciate having gone to Catholic school for high school. I do appreciate bringing the kind of confession uh, motif into into the proceedings. Yes. All right. Well, we do what we can. Well, so let me uh, let me just say last piece of business here in Dune News is to celebrate our new members in the DunePod Discord who joined this week. You can join at any time. If you go to DunePod.com, you'll see a link to the Discord. Membership is free. You can hang out with us whenever you want. You can join our live recordings uh, and you can just drop in. We're like, we're constantly dropping in movies and music and art and stuff. Some of it's related to Dune. Some of it's related to just whatever. So it's just a fun place to chill. And this week we had I Drink Your Milkshake and No Soul, No Problem. Oh, those are those are names of people who joined. Yes, yeah. that's correct. And No Soul, No Problem jumped in and just started posting amazing uh, artwork yeah. into, uh, into our artwork channel. Um, really good stuff he's Right made. now, beautiful. So thank you, No Soul. Thanks for joining. All right, Ed, what's your history with Dune, if any? Uh, limited, to, limited to none. Okay. <laughs> have you seen the Lynch movie or read the book or have you seen the trailer? Uh, no. Well, I, I've, I think I've seen the trailer, but I haven't, I haven't read the book. Okay. Fair enough. Obviously I haven't seen the movie. That is not a, re- or I guess it was the earlier movie, but yeah. Yeah. Do you think you will camp out for the premiere of the Villanova movie? Do you want to join <laughs> our tented camp like, for the, for the premiere of this movie? Well, I have two small children who are very so do I, Ed. So, so do I. So, <laughs> so, so it's tempting, is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's nice. run. Let's run away from our families together. <laughs> well, Ed, can you can you instead just give us a, an example of like a favorite movie or a book? You, you know, the most recent book you've read, just so we can sort of get a vibe on like uh, what's the kind of stuff that you're typically into. Um, I'd say like sci-fi wise, I you know. I I've read a lot of Asimov, especially all the Foundation books. Oh, mm. You know they're making a TV show of that they are. Yeah, there's an Apple. <laughs> there's an Apple. That. There's an Apple Plus TV Foundation series coming soon. Imminently. Two months, I think September. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try that out. Yeah. I, I don't know how that would work as a as a TV series. To be honest, they're changing it a bit. They're 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 messing it with messing with it a fair amount. Uh huh. Yeah. Because like the books are so like anthological. Yeah. What does that word mean? Like anthologies and like, you know, they're like self-contained little nugget stories as opposed to like one like sweeping story. And so they're, they're going to follow one character for longer than the books do in order to make a season make sense. Right. Sorry, Ed, we cut you off. Oh no, that's okay. I've read the Hitchhiker's Guide books several times. Yes. Um, Mm. Watched the movie with Sam Rockwell and Mo Steff and uh, Martin Freeman, Mm. which... I, I wanted to love a lot more than I, I actually did. Um, we all did, but I do love the books. Mm. You know, those are those are the things that those are the main things that come to mind right now. I, I, I mostly watch a lot of TV. I don't have a lot of um, 
a lot of energy for <laughs> for book reading these yeah. days. Yeah. With with parenting, which I'm sure Jason can understand. I feel you. I walk the dog and I listen to like 20 minutes of an audiobook and whatever I hear in that section is that's what great. I that's that's reading for it's, the Yeah, day. no, I I I did listen. So I was so upset by the Game of Thrones finale that I decided that I would I would listen to all the audiobooks because I hadn't read the books before. Mm. I decided to go out and Are you serious? No, I hadn't read the books before the series. Holy moly. No, but that's a lot of that's a lot of audiobook to read. Yeah. That's a lot of content. Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, well, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I listened to all of them. Holy shit. I, I knew that George R. R. Martin's books were extremely good at world building. So I figured maybe he will be able to wrap this up better than Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. showrunners were able to. Nope. Um, I (laughs) I don't actually think he will finish the the series at the rate things are going. Nope. No. Um, But, you know, hope hope springs eternal. He's just out there hanging out with the wolves. He doesn't really (laughs) want to write. Yeah. I mean, well, he's got to be extremely wealthy at this point, right? Yeah. He's old and wealthy. He just got married. He's hanging out with wolves. Like, why is he going to go to a room and write every day? It seems like a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive to to have knocked that out. Um, I would love to get back to that. I I started today my re listen of Chapter House Dune, which is the sixth book in the Dune series, the final one written by Frank Herbert. And for me, it's like especially challenging because I'm listening to it as I'm like washing the dishes, but then I have to pause every two minutes to take down notes in the notes app so that we can talk about it later yeah. and remember what the hell's going on. Yeah. So it's a pretty challenging experience. I'm looking forward to reading something that is not this that I can just do for pure fun. <laughs> We're so tired of Dune. <laughs> <laughs> that evil master. All right. Well, listen, shall we go ahead and get into this? Mm-hmm. Let's get into the source code. Let's dive in to the source. All right. Here we go. Source code is a race through time to save the lives that matter. Captain Coulter Stevens is an Air Force pilot who wakes up on a train in a stranger's body. After eight confusing minutes, the train explodes and he wakes up in an unknown location, finding himself an unwilling participant in a covert military science experiment. Coulter will be forced to return to the train and relive those eight minutes over and over again in a seemingly futile attempt to locate the bomb and the bomber and stop them before they can strike. Along the way, he will try to save himself and the other passengers on the train, including the beautiful Christina. Can Coulter unravel the mystery and find a way to alter his past, or is he doomed to repeat it in source code? (laughs) Can I ask a question about the intros? How often... If you if you went back and did a control F for doomed in yeah, yeah. Uh, in your description, how often do you think the like you know the description of the movie is doomed to dot 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 title of movie? Is it fifty eight percent of the time? Will she have the power to defeat the Goblin King and free herself and her brother, or will they be lost for all time in the labyrinth? Could have been could have been doomed. Could have been doomed right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh, will they go down in infamy? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the model. It's the model. Okay, that's great. I love it. Source code. All right, so um, when did you first see this movie, Ed? What's your relationship with source code? 
Well, I really, I, I really like Jake Gyllenhaal's work. Um, mm. The movie I had not seen until I watched it for this. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was enjoyable. Is that all three of us have not seen this film? You know, I thought I hadn't seen this movie, and then I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh, oh this yeah. is the one where he doesn't have any arms or legs at some point." Like, so <laughs> I, I, I remembered that I had in fact seen it, and like, but like in some sort of. I wasn't really paying attention or something, you know, mode. So I consider this my first viewing of the movie. Mm, first deep viewing. Yeah. So I had been aware of this, you know, I, I was a huge fan of moon. And then when this came out, I didn't see it. And I consciously avoided getting spoiled on this movie and like maintained that for now 10 years mm -hmm. and managed to watch the film without getting spoiled. So I was kind of happy about that. I knew there was something about a train and something about time travel, mm -hmm. but that was basically that was basically it. So we have Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, again, Michelle Monaghan from both the Mission Impossible films, where she's absolutely incredible. Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> Night Court. <laughs> Night Court. Anyways, Michelle Monaghan is great. I'm sure someone has IMDb pulled up and can help me out here. Toss me a bone. She has. She ends up. She ends up marrying a big eyebrow guy in yeah, the Mission exactly. Impossible universe. Yeah, exactly. Good for her in the eyebrows. Uh, Vera Farmiga, who she kind of like had a big moment a decade ago. Yeah, what's she been in? I don't. Do you have IMDb <laughs> while I'm talking? I don't believe it. I don't believe in it. <laughs> you believe in IMDb. Thank you, Kev. She was in Up in the Air. That's the one I was thinking of with Clooney. Oh, with Clooney. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. Okay. Good one. Jeffrey Wright. Okay, Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> Jeffrey pre, Wright. Pre-Westworld. Mm -hmm. Pre-Westworld, but post-Angels in America. All right. Well, let's let's just get into this and and kind of start start walking through and, and see what we have. So we have this, the Chicago skyline as we have the credits. Um, I do want to just paste briefly into the chat while we are getting started here. Um, I found this crazy ass um, source code visual timeline. Oh. I'll put it in the chat over here as well. I will say, I don't know if the, this didn't strike me as the most complicated time travel movie ever made. It's not. It's not. There's like, like, I don't know if I need a visual timeline. Like, I think I got it. You really don't. <laughs> I got it in my, I got it right up here, buddy. I got my visual timeline stored in the big old cortex. But it is a really beautiful visual timeline. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there and, and we'll do a link to it in the show notes. But oh, it is very beautiful. Someone yeah. really yeah. put some effort in. Yeah. So the first the first note I have is that Jake wakes up on the train and even before he wakes up though you hear kind of sun, sounds of battle, you hear helicopter sounds and you hear mm. and then he wakes up and he's kind of like freaked out trying to figure out what's going on the train and Christina is sitting there and calls him Sean but he says that he's yeah. not Sean, he's Captain Coulter Stevens. Yeah. So what's your what's your take Kind of right out of the gate. Love Jake Gyllenhaal. Always excited when he's on screen, mm -hmm. just generally. I My first take was he goes into the bathroom and sees, you know, he's, he's like, why am I called Sean? And he goes into the bathroom and sees that it's a different person looking back at him in the mirror. Mm. And I would just be so pissed if I was as handsome as Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> and like some <laughs> random scrub was staring back at me in the bathroom <laughs> mirror. I would be pissed. Not good. I'd be heated. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God the train blew up. Yeah, just just let me die. <laughs> I yeah. can't live like this. The other thing that struck me is that you there's so many details that are happening so quickly that I sort of was immediately put into 
Mentat awareness mode. I was like, oh, that's an important detail. She spilled on his shoe. Right. Those guys are arguing. This is happening. So I immediately started trying to categorize every single thing and note every little detail of what was happening. Mm. Did you know that it was a... A time loop movie? It was sort of a Groundhog Day situation going into it? I I knew there was something going on with some kind of time travel thing. And so I just assumed that was that was going to be happening the way that was that was unfolding. Mm-hmm. That's a critical point, though, Ed, is that this is another Groundhog Day movie. We talked about that when we did Live, Die, Repeat and, slash Edge of Tomorrow. And like that. This, so this like joins like that little subgrouping with like Palm Springs and that other movie that I've never seen. There's some other one that's that's in that category, but there's like six of them now, basically. Mm. Mm. Good. Like it. Well, so so for me, I will say just spoilers. I, I this film suffered a little bit from the comparisons that I would now make to Oblivion and Edge of Tomorrow mm-hmm. and and Palm Springs. So from that perspective, I I wish I'd seen it ten years ago and been able to appreciate it on, on that yeah. basis. It's a simpler movie than those, yeah. really. Like it, what it's doing with the looping concept is simpler. Yeah, I agree. So, so Sean, he, you know, uh, or Col- well, I'm going to call him Coulter for the rest of the episode. So Coulter comes out of the bathroom. He runs into Christina. She tells him everything's going to be okay, and the train explodes. Great explosion. Good explosion. Uh, you know, just great moment of like, what the hell? What the hell's going on? And he wakes up in beleaguered castle. Ed, did it? Did it hurt you to see a commuter train? suffer harm <laughs> it did i have to say i was i was very i'm, I'm very happy that i happened to choose uh, a movie for the episode <laughs> yeah. that was almost entirely taking place on public transit that was very yeah. exciting <laughs> yeah i was excited for you when i was like Thank when the you. movie opens and there's all of these like loving helicopter shots of, of a train. train i was yeah. like oh wow this is like uh, Ed, Ed I, Softcore I, I right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty exciting. Ed sitting up on the edge of his seat. <laughs> Loving shots of a commuter train traveling over swan-filled water. And yeah, the, the train. I was a little bummed that they couldn't get, um, they, they, they couldn't get Metra to license mm. the yeah. actual name of the Chicago commuter rail system. They had to come right. up with, a, they had to come up with a, their own fake version of the train. The CCR uh, or whatever it was called, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I guess I could really. see why a commuter rail agency wouldn't want to... participate in one of their trains being blown up (laughs) over and over and over eight times yeah what about the guy who asked the conductor can we make up this 10 minutes like buddy what do you think we're gonna what do you think the train's gonna do here like how do you think what's this make up 10 what do you think we're gonna hyperloop warp yeah people have been people have been conditioned by airline pilots right who make up this whole thing about how we're gonna make up time in the air like no you just built extra time into the schedule yeah exactly yeah, it's, the plane's not going faster for you. Nothing's going faster. <laughs> oh my god! Well, so so he wakes up. He's in a cockpit of some kind. He's in the dark. He can hear voice coming over the radio um, from an officer, and he's very confused. She asks him to tell her her name, and he can't remember what it is. Uh, he doesn't think he's ever met her. And there's this great segment where she says, "Memory thread one. Listen to the following passage." Lily awoke in an evening dress and opera cloak. In her hand were five playing cards. This is a joke. They were the Queen of Spades, four of clubs, nine of clubs, three of hearts, nine of hearts. Is this a red flag exercise? End of thread one. Thread two. The following is a recording of a Western screech owl. 
End of thread two. End of pattern. Acknowledge. Acknowledge end of pattern. And then she asks him to, she basically quizzes him on that and he passes with flying colors and he's like instantly into like execution mode and is able to recall that her name is actually Goodwin. So this is the introduction of he sees her on his screen inside his all black cockpit Mm -hmm. and she tells him that he has to go back in and be uh, Sean and find the bomb. I like that sort of wake up sequence where he has to remember the cards in order and then she's like you will hear a screech owl it's like it's like this is what i need i feel if someone would wake me up this way (laughs) like instead of my toddler just coming into my bedroom every morning and like banging on things Uh if instead it was like here are five cards and here's a screech owl (laughs) yeah i would be in a lot more coherent state from the beginning (laughs) i think that screech owl got kind of a bad rap like that was not a screech in my mind no it sounded great it was it was melodic Again, compared to a toddler, I'll give you a screech. I'll show you. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what a screech sounds like. No doubt. You could ask Crystal to, to you know, have some sort of recall set up for you every morning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See I'll how add, that goes. Add that, add that to the list. Yeah. Crystal, can you yeah. wake up early 10 minutes before me to, like, ensure <laughs> that I have a calm and peaceful wake up? Yeah. So he goes back in, we have our second pass, and this time he's a lot more active. He thinks this is a sim, so he's not kind of taking things super seriously, but he very quickly finds the bomb, but still is blown up. The comedian has the line, I'm on my way to an asshole festival and you're headlining. I think that's a good, that's a good insult. I want to use that someday. I don't really think I have the balls to like bust that out on someone, but I'd like to, I'd like to believe I could. So he's back in the cockpit again. I love everything that's going on in the cockpit. I love Jake by himself, yeah. in the dark, confused. There's fluid coming all over the place, and he's trying to figure mm-hmm. out like when you know what group is this with? Why is he here? What's the jurisdiction? I want to talk to your commanding officer. You can talk to him upon completion of your mission. <sighs> my mission is in Afghanistan, where my unit is. I flew two goddamn sorties yesterday. You've been with us for two months. And then she basically gives him this info dump that there's a terrorist attack in the morning and there's going to be another one. There's calling cards. So he's got to get back in there and go figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. So she sends him back in for his third pass. Mm -hmm. Pass three. This is like the meet cute pass. Mm. Like this is like the rom, the rom-com pass where like, he's (laughs) like, okay, if I'm just going to keep looping, like let's, uh, let's talk to this lady across from me and see what's going on with her. And, and they have a nice moment. Actually, so it's cool. So first he talks to the conductor. Check it. How's everything today? It's good. Anything out of the ordinary? No. I meant uh, behavior on the train. Does anything, anybody seem strange to you? You're a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> but then he talks to her and she starts pointing to people and she says... Ooh, maybe it's a vast conspiracy. Maybe all these people are working together and the conductor's controlling them. I was like, whoa, like... Could be. We don't know what's going on. She's very perceptive. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he says, did you see anybody else come out of the bathroom? Because he sees a guy come out of the bathroom. And she says, well, you came out of the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I did? No, I didn't. And she said, yes. And then he goes to his briefcase and he finds his phone, but it's broken. Mm Mm-hmm. So were you guys like, this is all, this, this, this is... I, I was suspicious. Okay. I was suspicious of him at that point, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a moment where I was, uh, I was wondering if 
if the looping back on itself would be especially meta. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I started thinking, like, are they putting him under this pressure to drive him to the point of doing something? Also, had you guys noticed the guy that ultimately is the, the bomber? Had you guys noticed him on, on a couple of passes? No, I was too aware in this pass, pass three, of uh, the guy that he ends up like going, following into the bathroom and like sort of racial profiling. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's Cass Anvar, the actor is Cass Anvar, who plays one of the main characters in uh, The Expanse. Ah. Or he did play one of the main characters from The Expanse until he got no dropped. Spoilers. Because he, well, n- okay. not. He, <laughs> life spoilers. He, 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 life spoilers. He was sexually assaulting people on st- on the set. And so what? he had to go. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was, he, was, he was a problem. Toss him out of airlock. But uh, <laughs> he's in this movie too, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Wow. All right. I did not know that. Yeah. Cass Anvar. Yeah. No shout out to you, Cass Anvar. So, so Coulter kisses Christina to get her off the train. They follow that guy. He wrestles him thinking he's the wrong guy, but he's not. Or thinking he's the guy, but he's not. The train explodes in the distance and he falls onto the track and dies. Mm -hmm. I was confused the first time I watched this um, because I thought he was like pulled somehow. Like it felt like something yanked him back onto Mm -hmm. the tracks. And I was like, Mm -hmm. is that part of how the source, you know, how this this system works? But on the second time he just got kicked and, and fell down. Yeah. That was brutal. Yeah. He had to die. So then now he's back at Beleaguered Castle, but the cockpit is broken. So this is a weird segment because like something's wrong. He doesn't have power. He's freezing and he's got to fix it. But then on the outside, Rutledge and Goodwin aren't really able to help him. Yeah. And well, and then this is now the intro. Like this is, I think, the first time we meet Jeffrey Wright as the like head of this particular program. Speak on it. I love Jeffrey Wright. I mean, he's just really good. I mean, like Angels in America is. In this? Not in this. He's not particularly great, but like he's, he's, I love Jeffrey Wright. Like he's, he's so good in angels. I think he's pretty good in Westworld until like I stopped caring about that show. Mm. He's just a, he's a real tremendous uh, actor. He's not, he's not given a lot to do in this one. He's just kind of a one dimensional sort of driven mad scientist who doesn't care about the human cost of his experiment. So that's sort of a bummer for him. Kind of over the top too, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's doing a lot. He's also doing a crazy lean, like he's doing a crazy, like kind of lean in. All of his like dialogue is given like with a big head forward position, which I think is a little weird, but uh, love Jeffrey Wright. Would have been a, you know, Jeffrey Wright would have been good as. Thu for Hawat. I was going to say Liet Kynes, uh, but oh, yeah, would have sure. been good and would have been good in doing in, in, in some role for sure. So I wonder if, uh, I wonder if Jeff Wright was doing a Spalding Gray. Mm. To me, that was the vibe I was getting, some swimming to Cambodia. The next day off, there was no doubting where we were going. Down to Caron Beach, it was fantastic. Ivan passed me a tie stick. I took a few tokes. I didn't care if my kundalini got loose on the beach and went wild, even ran away and never wanted to see it again. That's very specific. Slightly demented. Yeah, I don't know why that just, that popped in my head. Yeah. I will say a shout out to host of the Synonauts show, Ian DeBorha on his show, Movies That Changed My Life, he had Jeffrey Wright on. Oh, did he? Yeah, and it's an unbelievable interview. It's really good. What's the movies that he says changed his life? Uh, Apocalypse Now and Sid and Nancy. Mm. It's it's great, and he he talks a bunch about Batman because he's the new Commissioner Gordon. Oh, yeah. Just a great voice, Jeffrey Wright. I love the cadence of his voice and, like, sort of, like, the... Oh, I, I, Jeffrey Wright, if, I mean, he's busy doing more important things, but if you do some audiobooks, that would be delightful for me personally. Uh, <laughs> mm. Love him. Mm. God bless you. 
<laughs> so this is where this is where Rutledge explains the source code. Uh, when a light bulb's turned off, there's an afterglow, a lingering halo-like effect. Have you seen it? Yes. Of course. The brain is like that. Its electromagnetic field remains charged just briefly, even after death. The circuits remain open. Now, there's another peculiarity about the brain. It contains a short-term memory track that's approximately eight minutes long, like a convenience store security camera that only records the last portion of the day's activity on its hard drive. What happens after the eight minutes? After. Nothing. You cease to exist on the train. You cannot exist inside the source code beyond Fintress's eight minutes. Source code is not time travel. Rather, source code is time reassignment. So, Ed, what was your take there, you know, as this is, as this is unfolding, your expectations, and, and how how'd you like that description there? Uh, I thought it was interesting <clears throat> as it implied that he's not changing, you know, he's not actively changing timelines with any of the things that he does, mm-hmm. which is, which is an interesting, uh, which is an interesting concept. The the thing that I, the broader issue I had with, with the mythology of this movie was that I thought it was a difficult, you know, granted the, the actual plot of the movie is not very complicated, mm-hmm. but the, the rules of the universe, I felt like perhaps didn't get, as clear an explanation, like that concept of time reassignment and what it, what it meant exactly wasn't, wasn't a hundred percent clear to me in a way that made me think this would have benefited from the world building that you could do in a book or a TV series, Mm. even like a mini series or something like that. Mm. It's a weird concept. Like, okay, so we have this ability to connect one person's brain to another person's brain after they've died within those eight minutes. Like, how would you be able to find that person? How would you be able to connect to that person? What is the method of connection between those two people? Yeah, like that's never explained. Like, what are they? Are they using Wi-Fi? Like, what is? <laughs> no, how do they know this guy was on the train? They're like, oh, well, he's the most like well suited to you, so you wouldn't. I, which I guess was so that he wouldn't be too surprised when he looked in the mirror. Sure, in the restroom. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't entirely sure what that. <laughs> Right, right. But like also like that guy is like as the loops continue, that guy is more and more dead. Like he's dead. He's deader even because it's like, you know, they're continuing on to like replay the the thing. Mm. Doesn't make that part doesn't make sense. You know, it's funny, like I this part where they talk about the time reassignment, they sort of like talk about the explanations. My brain just like sort of refused to <laughs> accept that information. I was like, This isn't <laughs> this isn't gonna help my appreciation of this movie. I'm just gonna continue it's just going to be loops. Okay. He wants to call his dad. That's what I'm getting out of this. He just wants to call his dad. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So we, he sent back in and this is the first time that I, I really noted, like each time he goes back in, he sees these flashes of Christina. Mm-hmm. So that that's obviously, you know, you're getting like, there's some kind of bigger obvious connection there. We'll see where that goes. Mm-hmm. But on the fourth pass, she, um, Goodwin suggests he gets a gun. He goes for the gun. He gets caught. Um, he gets knocked out and he has one minute left, you know, of his eight minutes. And there's this really nice moment with Christina where he says, what would you do if you only had a minute to live? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. he says, I would call my dad. Mm -hmm. And then he says, tell me everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then you have this beautiful slow motion explosion shot of the two of them framed in front of you and the fire just coming down. Mm -hmm. That was Gorgeous. That was a sexy explosion. 
Mm. So I want to call out the cinematographer on this film. This is uh, DP Don Burgess, who did Contact. Oh, wow. Five Banger, Spider-Man, yeah. Castaway, wow. Um, wow. and still working, did Aquaman just a few years ago. So that, that was pretty impressive. Pretty good, pretty good DP they got for this for this yeah, movie yeah. then. Well, and and yeah. actually, just talking of talking of quality, also editor Paul Hirsch. Mm-hmm. You know Paul? Who's that? Uh, he did this movie called. Not personally. He did this movie called Star Wars. Oh, interesting. Uh, he also edited this film called Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Mm. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Is he still alive? And Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. Great. Love it. Yeah, he was good. Good. So it explodes. He's back in Beleaguered Castle. So now we have, he sees Christina's badge. And that, and he's like, so I know I, I've, that's a clue. I've seen a clue now. <laughs> Does it feel like it's like kind of dragged out through this, through this process or what? The badge thing? Yeah. Just, uh, just the whole, the whole film. It's like, it's only 93 minutes. Yeah. I like that. It was only 93 minutes. Uh, that's like the, the, the golden, the golden dream is the 93 minute movie. Uh, I do. I do want to note, in this and, and and not only that it's in this next loop that right at 45 minutes the exact midpoint of the movie is when he finds out that he's actually dead mm. you know he, that he you know that's when he his, his what's his face tells him on the train like i looked up that guy and i'm sorry your helicopter buddy is dead mm. and so it's a very well structured 90 minute movie so i give it a lot of mm. i give it a lot of credit for that I didn't know if this part dragged. I did. I guess I did like start once they started trying to explain things to me. I did like sort of glaze over a little bit. Like, I don't need anything. Don't you don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's David Bowie's son. Just do your movie. Like, let's, let's just get the train where we're going here. Nice. Uh, he does have a moment there after she gives you. Know, she gives him the news that he died. It's actually cool. She starts glitching and her face. Mm-hmm. Her face uh, starts to get get kind of pixelated or whatever. And he goes back to arriving at Beleaguered Castle. He he re- he remembers being shot down and then getting the the first card sequence and the memory sequence and stuff. So that was that was kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, that should have been his sign that something was amiss too. Is that like she was using Bing on her phone? Oh like, my god. Like, you know, yeah. They, the, sim, the, the simulation the simulation has like a paid placement by bing you know that like <laughs> something's off totally I, I i did i did enjoy that speaking of yeah things that did get licensed <laughs> yeah exactly bing is a search engine that will help you solve <laughs> mysteries yeah. yeah exactly are you stuck in a simulation <laughs> bing it so he has a kind of confrontation with Rutledge as as part of this part of this issue, and I would say one thing I liked here he like he's trying to figure out why he's in the cockpit and what's going on, and there's the moment where he reconfigures the cockpit with his mind. Yeah, it kind of like grows and gets big. Like that was like a cool neo moment. I like that. It made me think of Time Bandits, where the wall pushes out. Mm. It's not Time Bandits though. I like it. Now we're on the big, we're, we're on the process where he's really getting pushed and Rutledge is just sending him in and in and in. And we're not actually even showing the loops anymore. We're just sort of like showing right. little snippets to say that it's happening over and over again. Yep. Again, this is where like Palm Springs, I think, does this even better. I think it was like meant to be like, oh, the, he's like sort of being tortured here or whatever. But like, I don't know. At this, you know, you're, it didn't really land as well for me. You're just like, yep, I get it. He's in fast forward mode. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the bomb. He grabs the phone that's connected to it. He uses it to call the number that had most recently called it. 
and it's Derek Frost. It's one, it's one of the guys that we saw as early as the first loop walking off the train and he had dropped his wallet. And so he goes and he gets him. The Derek Frost has a, has a van with the bomb. He shoots Christina. He shoots Coulter and he gets away. Mm-hmm. And we have the kind of very generic. You mean why this? Because the world is hell. But we have a chance to start over in the rubble. But first there has to be rubble. It's like, okay, guy. All right, guy. Yeah, this would have been, that would have been a good role. I think that actor's maybe not the best for this particular part. Yeah, why? What happened? You know who had been good in that part? Dust Malkian, our guy. Oh my our, God. Our guy, Dust wow. Malkian. You familiar with, with the work of David Dust Malkian, Ed? No, I'm not. He is in the Dune movie. Prisoners. He's in the movie Prisoners. Mm. He's in the movie, he's in the Batman movie mm. uh, in, in Dark Knight. He's just a very odd looking fellow, which I, he's also in Blade Runner. I guess that's like would have been one of the problems if you would have had him. Like if you're looking around a train and be like, yeah, if you're looking around <laughs> a train and being like, one of these guys is a bomber. I was like, oh, it's fucking that weird looking dude for sure. Like, you're not, not going to get me not going to get me off the scent. <laughs> totally. Frost gets away. He drives away, but it doesn't matter because we're inside source code anyways. But the train still blows up, which bums out Coulter because he had pulled the, the phone off. Um, and so he goes back to Beleaguered Castle and he says, I got your guy. Here's his name. Here's his license plate for the car. Like, boom. Yeah, he nailed it. He's like, I got the license plate in like NATO phonetic alphabet. I got like everything about this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Let me call my dad. I just want to call my dad. And they're like, hold, please. Why was there a decoy phone on the bomb? It was a, a backup. So they had two, a fail safe. A backup, I think. Oh, just a backup. Yeah, fail safe. Oh, okay. Okay, so, you know, the line was busy or something. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> One phone fails, the other. Well, I was wondering about that, and I was also wondering, you know, his plan was to call the phone, right? Call the last phone number that was in the phone. Yeah. But why would why would that person... Answer it? You know, why would the suspect pick up? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, why is my bomb phone is this, calling is me? This a, is this the bomb calling me? <laughs> yeah. Is it in his phone as bomb? <laughs> yeah, bomb. <laughs> Ed, I have a transit question for you. Okay. Do you think they keep guns in like a little like lock, like a, a high school locker on trains? Do you think that's a real thing? <laughs> it's the smallest lock. The smallest lock in the world? Yeah. I'm not a transit ops person, so I don't know if there's like an air marshal mm. situation going on on commuter rail, commuter rail trains. <laughs> Secret train marshals? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't mm. know. Mm. I don't think they keep, I don't think there's like secret gun locker on the fucking train. I don't know about that, but mm. maybe that's fine. Could be, could be. That's it's not the biggest problem with the movie. <laughs> so, so back in the quote unquote real world, they are able to capture frost. They're popping bottles back at the source code HQ, you know, Rutledge is parting his hair and getting very excited. Uh, you know, they're going to try and bring eight more source codes online by the end of the end of the year. And they're going for it. And Coulter just asked to go back. He wants to go back in and try and save the people on the train. He's convinced that he can do that Mm -hmm. um, as well as save Christina. And this is where we have the reveal. You know, we've had these great shots through the movie. You know, you see Goodwin and then you just see the camera that she's looking at, right? 
And right. this is where we have the reveal that she just is interacting with him this whole time. She just sees him as text on her screen. That's all he is. He's just text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's basically like the, like, Eliza program that's like a, you know, like just giving him, just, just writing out what, he, what he's thinking. That's tough. That's a tough one. Tough for him. Tough for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tough for him. So she agrees to send him back in uh, for the final pass. And I love this. Like the way he flawlessly nabs Frost and just utterly dominates him, makes him cry yeah. and reports him and, and then leaves him there. That was like, that was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's sad. I'm now I'm like stuck on the fact that he's just like a text interface. Oh, that he's just like he's just Emacs basically or something. Yeah. Like he's not. He doesn't. He's got nothing going. On. It's a it's a it's a sad reveal. Colon WQ bang or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I I did have one note here about Frost as he's crying. So he's been like writing paranoid screens on his website about the government, mm-hmm. and so you're like, oh wow, this guy's like a he's a lunatic. He's like a paranoid lunatic. But he was also caught by a secret government military program that came through alternate dimensions to capture him. Yeah. <laughs> Without a warrant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't know how that's going to stand up in court. Okay. <laughs> he might walk. He yeah, might he walk. Might it's, walk. It's, <laughs> Seems unlikely. It's, uh, you know, fruit from the tainted tree. Like, uh, it's like you can't, like, just, like, say that. What like so the the Emacs prompt sent him <laughs> sent, sent the cows out like that doesn't work. We got him. Uh, so how about the phone call to his dad? Coulter calls his dad. I love them so much. I wish you could have told him that. He knows it. Take care, Mr. Stevens. I love this this aspect. Yeah, it was good. And the conversation was great. Yeah. Jason, you know who was the voice of his dad, obviously. Uh, no, who's the voice of his dad? I don't know. Oh, I looked this up, yeah. Tylamed. Is it David Bowie? It's Scott Bakula. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good that it was Quantum Leap. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. In totally. the in the the loopy movie, yeah, yeah, wow. I that was cute. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Scott Bakula was like finally someone's doing another loopy movie? Totally. I can get a job again. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting forty years. Uh. So he gets closure with his dad. He he kisses Christina and Goodwin out in the in the quote real world where um, you know Rutledge is pounding on the doors and and military guys are kicking in the door. She pushes the red, the big red button and everything freezes. He goes flatline. So question: as they have the shot of pulling back through the train and everybody's frozen and they're all laughing and enjoying the comedian. That was a cool shot. I like that. Is this what started all of those shots when that happened? The Harlem Shake? That meme? Yeah. Was the Harlem Shake <laughs> meme? No, the mannequin. The, the mannequin. Oh, uh, the mannequin, mannequin challenge. Sorry. Yeah. Wrong, wrong meme. Wrong meme. I, think, I think that was several years later. Yes, this started the mannequin challenge. <laughs> I don't know. It pre it pre-visioned the mannequin challenge. Yes. Maybe the Harlem Shake too. Who could say? <laughs> so that was a great shot. And then boom, time unfreezes and it continues for him and Christina. And they are still alive. The train doesn't explode. The guy's captured. Um, 
Which brings us to the single most unrealistic element of this entire movie. All right. Christina says, come here, I want to show you something. And she takes him, a fellow Chicago native, <laughs> to the Bean. Have you heard of this place? Oh, yeah. A place where no native would ever go unless they were taking... Love the Bean, though. A, a hidden gem that only locals know about in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Off the beaten path. I'll tell you about the Bean. Yeah. That was wild. Well, and like it seemed like I thought maybe the point of the bean was that like the reflections he was seeing in his like restart were like they were uh, they were bean were bean bean vision. He was yeah. having bean vision. Okay, he was he, was, he but, was anticipating the bean. Correct. Okay, but it's that's also weird. Like what? That's he's returning home. He's his soul is returning home. That's when look when you die. That's what you do is you look into the bean. They're telling, they're, <laughs> this is like the, the Tibetan bean. Book of the Dead. But he basically, so he's manifested, uh, you know, this by going back in, by preventing the death. I guess he's un, he's breaking the source code for that instance of it, right? He, like the Sean doesn't die. Yeah, he no longer dies, so it he is able to continue, basically, right? Metaphysically, it's a little confusing what's going on at this point. Like, because he's dead, maybe he's living in the simulation. Maybe it's his consciousness is living in the simulation without his body. Well, no, 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 no. Okay. No, now there's a new Coulter. Okay. So there's the Coulter that was in the reality, the, the, the real reality that we've been following this whole time. Right. But as soon as we, as soon as time unfreezes, yeah. we're following the original Coulter in Sean's body permanently. Uh -huh. But there's another Coulter in that reality because he... Sean Coulter as Sean texts Goodwin right. and tells her that source code works, that it's multiversal um, and to help Captain Stevens. So basically in this reality and they have the whole thing, it doesn't happen because the bomb doesn't go off. Source code doesn't get activated for this instance of Coulter. Activated. All right. I don't really know how that works, to be honest. Like, I don't know how he leapt into the multiverse. It still seems like he's in two places in the reality. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. All right. The original from the other universe and this one. I think they could have ended the movie where the time froze. Let me let me just say that. Like I feel like I'd narratively gotten everything I needed from the movie. I like that cool shot where the Harlem Shake moment where everything they should have ended on the shake. Is <laughs> my verdict on the movie. And I didn't need like that. Everything else felt like one of the extra endings in like AI or something like that. Like it was mm. just like one of these, like, you know, it's like, all right, I guess there's more. All right cool like it didn't offend me as much as some of those other movies but like i just didn't feel it was necessary hmm. yeah i tend to agree yeah I, I i think it would have been better to just end on the on the shake mm. <laughs> end on the shake if you can end on a shake end on the shake that's just one of the rules of filmmaking that's interesting i think it's important to show that he prevented it from happening and it caused that universe's instance of source code not to go off at this point mm. and that that will happen at some at some later point and I, this is multiversal, right? This is many worlds? Yes, I think that's what we're meant to believe. They're tunneling through. Each time they send him back, they're tunneling him into a different universe. Huh. I, I, I guess that all makes sense. I had just interpreted that it was a simulation and that uh, this was everything that happens after it unfreezes is in simulation world. And it's just mm. like, you know, yeah, like the bomb doesn't go off or whatever because he stops it, but that's just in the simulation. And like maybe that's trying, the movie's trying to like, make a winking everything's a simulation 
uh, you know, who's to say what the reality is, like where it's all just a simulation and blah, blah, blah. But like, I didn't really, I didn't really, I didn't feel the multiversing of it, but I'm, I'm fine with it. Jason, I agree with you. I had thought it was all a simulation. Right. And when he was saying, can I just have eight minutes? And she, you know, Goodwin allows him this last run. I thought it was just kind of a, 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 a pity extra run. Exactly. Oh, well, you know, I, I owe his consciousness. <laughs> a pity run, a pity run. This satisfaction. A breakup run. Yeah, we've been we've been torturing <laughs> this guy's conscious co- consciousness for for a while, and he just saved the day, et cetera, et cetera. So let's give him a pity run, right? But then it turns out a pity run that created another reality. If we believe him, he says it's he says it's multiversal. I don't think he said it's multiversal, but okay. Hold on, let's let's just hit this for a second. Ready? Let's listen for just one second here. Oh wow, Matt's going to the source code. Uh oh. If you're reading this email then source code works even better than you and Dr. Rutledge imagined. You thought you were creating eight minutes of a past event, but you're not. You've created a whole new world. The end. My my interpretation of that was, it's still what I said. I think that he's now living in the simulation somehow, even though his body got disconnected, his consciousness got uploaded into the computer. And so in this new reality where he's in a simulation, he's saying to the person running the simulation in the simulation, Hey, like, uh, it works. I'm going to go and chill and live my life in here now and good work. Uh, but I don't, I, I didn't really interpret it as like an actual separate, like bubble universe was created. I mean, unless that's what a simulation is. I don't know, man. So I have a question. Go ahead, Ed, go for it. Also in this new world, multiverse universe whatever timeline yeah this sean guy he, he's just done he's he's out of there yeah he's gone yeah sean. so in this universe if you if you're peace out bro if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time you could just get god you're screwed jake gyllenhaal yeah. gets gets thrown into your body yeah that's the real that's the real lesson of the movie is that the vagaries of fate are yeah. such that at any moment jake gyllenhaal might take over your whole life <laughs> Yeah, but he also has to live the rest of his life, look at, the rest of your life looking like you. Yeah. I mean, it's a better deal for him, to be perfectly honest. Like, he Fair. still exists. Like, <laughs> uh, my shit just got taken over. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, he's bald now, but, like, he still is doing something. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll leave it there unresolved uh, exactly <laughs> what the uh, what what the answers were. But um, I will say this film mm. had a budget of thirty two million dollars and it did a hundred and forty seven million worldwide. Great. What's 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 David Bowie's son working on now? Uh, I don't know. So Source Code Two was greenlit in twenty fourteen and then kind of mm. stalled out. Yeah, that didn't happen. No one wanted. No one really wanted that. I, I can't say that that w- the door was left open to a source code too. No. What do you mean? We didn't need source code to it. What do you mean? He's right. We just didn't need it. He's right there. We just didn't need it. Oh well, you don't need it. Yeah, sure. I mean, he did. He did mute, which I didn't watch. He directed and the Warcraft, Warcraft movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's what killed his whole career. Then. <laughs> did you watch that movie? Yeah, I like it, but I like the Warcraft mythos. It's not a good movie. Like okay. it's bad. Really? Like bad, bad? Oh, yeah. It's it's quite bad. Uh, okay. Well, sad for him. How about Mute? Mute's apparently terrible. Oh, yeah. That had Paul Rudd. Oh, Justin Theroux. I love Justin Theroux. Yeah, Justin Theroux. Yeah. And Alexander Skarsgård. 
I heard it was terrible. Hold on. Look at this picture. I'm just going to put this in the chat. Look at this picture from the Mute homepage of Alexander Skarsgård. I assume this is his main his main cast photo or whatever, but it's pretty awesome. But he's just he's not wearing pants. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't believe in pants. He's what Swedish. A, what a boss. <laughs> God. Do you know about this photo? Hold on a second. Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. What's this? Finally. Here, click this click this link. Oh. This photo of Alexander Skarsgård exploring the South Pole. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Golly. Look at that guy. I know the guy who took that photo. I know the guy who took the the photo of Alexander Skarsgård sitting on a toilet on the South Pole. Flex alert for me. So you know somebody who went to the South Pole? Yeah. Anna and Nick and I and Crystal went on an Arctic expedition with this guy, Inga. And Inga is a polar explorer who also accompanied Alexander Skarsgård to the South Pole and took a photo of him naked on the crapper. Well, I mean, there, there are only so many people in Scandinavia. Yeah. They presumably all know each other. Yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to say, Jason, I think we can just use it. <laughs> we killed it. I think, I think we crushed it. I think we can use the Matt flex alert as a Jason flex alert as well, right? Can it be a general purpose? It can be. I don't think any of the audio I gave you for that particular story is <laughs> compelling or useful, but you, you can you can make a Shh. production decision on your own. Sure. I just think in general, like I do flex, uh, you know, I do flexes, you do flexes. We're basically, it's basically the same. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, all right. My final thought on watching this film was I freaking love Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. and he really inspires me as an actor and we're going to be doing more Jake. And I'm going to go ahead and announce right now because I reached out, we had Daisy last week and I reached out to Daisy's husband, Rob, who's been on the show a couple of times. And I want to announce it here first. He's coming back this fall. We are doing a double header oh, Jesus. of... Jake Gyllenhaal, Roger Deakins, and Sam Mendes for their 2005 Desert Storm movie, Jarhead. Oh, okay. Mm. And then we're going to keep the train rolling and do Deakins and Sam Mendes in 1917. So we're going to do a two-parter back-to-back and cannot wait to do that. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. Love it. Ed, who would Tilda Swinton play if you had to cast one role in this film with Tilda Swinton who would it be? Well, I, I enjoy Jeffrey Wright, but I feel like she would be yeah she'd be great in that role. Yeah, Rutledge. That was my choice too. I especially because like Jeffrey Wright kind of phones it in on this one. I think I think Tilda could have done a great could have done a great job in that role. That was my I, mm-hmm. also my pick. I agree, Jeffrey. We love you. We love you. Uh, don't, don't. We just want to see you and and with better material to work with. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Final thought, like I've this, I'm like at a three banger for this film, three out of five. I think it's like, yeah. I think it's okay. It's not. It's definitely. I understand why this was not the huge um, hype movie that everybody was like, oh my god, after Moon, this is gonna be incredible. And it was like, it's okay. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm the same place, exactly the same place. It's okay. Ed, same. Uh, roughly the same place. I mean, I I did think that the movie started off with pretty good potential mm. because it had trains. It was <laughs> <laughs> Trains, trains and Jake Gyllenhaal are... Uh, you have are, my I mean, attention, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. 
Um, Trace and Jake Gyllenhaal is hard for me to pass up. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I would agree. It didn't, nice. it didn't quite deliver on it, on the, on the promise of the trains and the Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, although he was very yeah. good and the trains were, he is very good. And the train was also good. Yes. Great performance by Jake trains. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is a great actor. He makes very strange movie choices. He does a lot of weird stuff. That guy. Yeah. Um, yeah he definitely does. But you know, whatever. Go Jake. Shout out to you. All right, here we go. Let's do some letters. What are you saying? Let's do it. Ooh. All right. First one is from Cameron. Subject line, loved the IMAX preview episode. Mm. Hey, Dooners, longtime listener, first time emailer. Just wanted to say that I love the IMAX preview reaction episode. Being able to hear the joy and excitement from you two after finally seeing some of the film after so long made my day and made me even more hyped for the movie based on your reactions. I have no doubt now that Denny will elevate the source material and couldn't be more excited. You guys have got to go to the movie premiere. Keep up the great work. All the best, Cameron. That's a great, that's a great letter. We were definitely hyped to have seen the movie. I've been thinking about it a lot. It was exciting. Uh, I'm glad people could hear our joy on the episode. I also want to thank Danny from 70 millimeter, uh, joining us to, to share in it. It was a, it was a lot of fun. The greatest film that will ever be made. Danny said that was strong, <laughs> strong praise for, for Dune. Yeah. Second email is from our good buddy, Daniel McGibbon, who says, Hey, Dune pod shocker to no one. The 10 minute preview did not make it to Winnipeg, Canada. Mm. sorry sad for you sad for you winnipeg i retained a small hope that an entrepreneuring viewer would somehow get a hand cam but it sounds like security was tight it was they had like the laser range finders and stuff um in the dark we all were we all were just naked in the imax theater they didn't trust <laughs> us it was like they gave us like a sackcloth like, to wear yeah. yeah it was like the it was like the new jack city scene Ed, Ed, we were we were there like they took our phones so we had to sit for um an hour and a half right it was 90 minutes yeah and jason and i had a lovely conversation yeah we talked about our families it was it was matt and i don't really know each other very well so it was (laughs) it was a good opportunity for bonding for for host bonding it was good host bonding where 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 was it metreon imax metreon metreon okay yeah it was good I uh, can't believe we still have to wait three more months, but in the meantime, you guys managed to raise the hype level to 9,000 with your pre-showing hot take. At least they gave the rest of us plebs a taste of the Hans Zimmer soundtrack. P.S. Sounds like you converted Danny, possible third host incoming, Daniel McGibbon. Mm. Daniel, yeah, we're not- like Danny is, Danny is <laughs> doing 70 millimeter. Busy. He's doing artwork. <laughs> he's got uh, Apex streaming with Slim every single night. <laughs> we were lucky. We were lucky to have him for the hour that we had. It was great. Um, it was we're not asking anymore. Uh, here is our solo voicemail for tonight, and it's only uh, it's less than a minute and a half. Here we go. Doombot, hey, it's Corey. Just calling in uh, for the source code episode. I never seen Source Code, but I did uh, look it up and see that it was uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Doompod favorite, uh, and it was directed by the guy who did Moon, which I really liked, mm. and written by a guy who wrote some of the Species movies, so that's kind of cool. But uh, I have been doing a little bit of time traveling myself uh, via podcasts and movies. Uh, back to the 90s, I've been uh, listening to a great, 60 songs that explain the 90s. That's really great. And then hmm. I watched Woodstock 99. 
Mm-hmm. Peace, Love, and Rage. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but it's a documentary about Woodstock 99, which I remember vividly being glued to MTV, like, watching the horror that unfolded. Mm. Oh, yeah. For this shitty-ass oh, yeah. music festival filled with shitty-ass people and shitty-ass bands. Uh, <laughs> highly recommend it if you guys haven't checked it out yet. Mm. I'm looking forward to hearing about Source Code and uh, checking it out. Thanks, guys. Have a great episode. Bye. Thanks, Corey. We love you. Corey. That's great. I do remember that. I do remember that music festival and it being a shit show. I think I watched it in the Oaks Lounge, Jason. Oh, really? I think I watched some of that Glorious. in the Oaks Lounge. <laughs> Glorious. Oh, man. Shout out to the Oaks Lounge. We miss you. Shout out to the Oaks Lounge. Shout out to the Goose. Shout out to the Goose. This is our, this is our clubhouse in college. Nice. Well, uh, so that brings us to uh, our announcement for next week. So we have been talking for a while about wanting to get our next guest onto the show. And we're really, really excited to have, is this our first CEO on the show? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been checking resumes. Um, We have a real tough screening process here. Uh, So we have Anil Dash. Oh yeah. Hmm. He's an incredible uh, CEO of Glitch. This amazing online, uh, you know, coding community, and he is a noted Prince historian, mm-hmm. and we really wanted to get him. He's also a hip hop head, just like a, a real expert. I, I got to know him through Run the Jewels when you guys were both in. When you guys were both in Run the Jewels, uh, I mean, I, I the first time I ever interacted with him was when I was at Mezzanine seeing Run the Jewels, mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. were about two hundred people. This was on the first, I think, the first tour. And I saw them and I was like basically in the second row, second in, in the, in the mosh area. And there was a moment where I thought I was having a heart attack, but I didn't want to leave. So I didn't. Mm. And I just sort of stayed and I tweeted about it as I was <laughs> on, the, on the dance floor. And, and so that was, that was my first connection with Anil. But so he is coming on to talk about the purple one and we're not doing purple rain. We are doing... Mm. Due to the Dune connection, the strong Dune connection mm-hmm. of Bob Ringwood, costume designer mm-hmm. of the still suits for David Lynch's Dune, mm-hmm. we are doing Batman 1989. Mm-hmm. Get hype. Ed, what's your take on Batman? Hot take. Well, you know, actually, um, my main memory of Batman is that the first time I saw it was we, so I grew up in Trinidad in the Caribbean, mm. and we had a coup attempt which was actually... <laughs> it's a fun coup story. It's a fun coup story. Well, I was nine years old and, you know, everything ended yeah. okay, so whatever. But yeah. um, <clears throat> but basically we had one TV station mm-hmm. and they had taken over the TV station. The, the, the perpetrators of the coup attempt had taken over the, the lone TV station and they just, I guess they had a bunch of <laughs> movies in the station and so they just started showing, like, The Little Mermaid was one, and Batman was one of those. Like, that's when I saw Batman was like... <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. so the, the coup perpetrators were like, to keep people chill, we'll show Batman? Mm, is, that yeah. the, is that the? Is that what's going on? Yeah, well, you know, they, they couldn't be on all the time. Right, they couldn't be on all <laughs> the time. Would we not? <laughs> that's amazing. They'd, like, cut in with updates, and then, you know, now back to Batman. <laughs> It's sort of like, that's amazing. That's wow. pretty amazing. 
<laughs> it's sort of like, but not quite the same thing. Like after 9-11, when PBS was just like, we don't know what the fuck to do. We're running Ken Burns baseball for 24 hours a day for a week. <laughs> I hope you guys, hope you guys want to watch that because that's all we're doing. Oh, God. We yeah, each deal with that That's awesome. Here. That's great. That's a weird time, man. That's I mean, a weird it time. A, it was a, it was a weird time. I mean, you know, I I I was I was nine. So when they yeah. when they burst in, it was a Friday night, which was MacGyver night, and uh, wow. I was very upset because MacGyver got preempted. <laughs> um, we interrupt this episode of MacGyver for a live coup attempt. <laughs> yeah. God. Wow. See, this sucks. We had a coup and we didn't even get Batman shown. You on did TV not get that. You bullsh- did not get free bullshit. American. You did not get free content. Batman. God damn it. The synergy, just a wasted opportunity. Uh, well, Ed, I, I hope you'll revisit Batman 1989 and see see how it how it lands uh, in the <laughs> see what memories it sparks. <laughs> I'm trying. Warner Brothers marketing, I'm always trying. Uh, it is yeah. it is streaming. <laughs> it's streaming on HBO Max. Uh, so check it out. I think it's on in 4K. Oh, great. Get ready for that. It's gonna be it's gonna be intense. Uh, Ed, what do you have to plug? Oh, what do I have to plug? What are you excited about? What's what's like? What's going on? Oh boy! Any causes you want to shout out or anything? Um. Well, I'll shout out the um, the Immigration Justice Project. Mm, do it. So it's a project of the American Bar Association. Mm. Um, it's actually run by a good friend and fellow uh, debate team alum, Lauren Cusick. Or Lauren Cusatello, mm-hmm. sorry. Shout out Lauren. Um, she, she works for it. And they are <clears throat> doing a lot of stuff around making sure that there is good due process and general immigration defense in, at, at, you know, down at the border. Mm. They are on the American Bar Association website. You can donate to IJP. Yeah. You know, and uh, just making sure that people's, people's rights are respected in immigration court because they don't have a lot of advocates a lot of the time. Awesome. I like it. I like it. Very good. Yeah, I would love the opportunity to, to contribute for that and, and help out. Amazing. We did it, you guys. We did it. Source code. Source code. What a journey. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We really appreciate folks tuning in, and, and we'll be back next week with Batman, hopefully still coup-free yeah. and running strong. All right. Stay coup-free, at least for <laughs> another <coup> week. <laughs> Thank you for having we're, me. We're seven months. Seven months, no coup. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Dune Pod. I want to thank Jason and Ed for an awesome conversation. Next week, Anil Dash joins us for the first truly postmodern superhero movie, Batman 1989. Anil's insights into Prince's contribution to this film are not to be missed. If you're enjoying this podcast, join our Discord server where you can hang out with us whenever you want. A link is in the show notes. You can find our full movie set list on Letterboxd. And if you want to support them by upgrading to pro or patron status, use promo code DUNEPOD at checkout to save 20%. DUNEPOD is a tape deck podcast, John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. The episode was produced and edited by me, H. Thanks for listening. See everybody next week.